J.M. in the A.M. The Jerusalem Post reports that the Prime Minister of Israel said on Wednesday today, just hours after Iran announced that it will continue its nuclear program, that Israel will not let Iran attain nuclear weapons. The Prime Minister's comments came at the government's Central Remembrance Day ceremony at the Har Herzl Military Cemetery, honoring the country's 23,741 fallen soldiers. I do remind everybody that today is Yom Hazikaron, Israel's Memorial Day. And I look forward to the time when we'll be able to sit down for a full-length conversation in studio with my following guest, but uh, because today is the day that his book has been released, and I know he's traveling extensively, uh, we wanted to make sure to grab a few minutes with Yaakov Katz. Yaakov Katz is editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post. The brand-new book available now is entitled Shadow Strike, Inside Israel's Secret Mission to Eliminate Syrian Nuclear Power. Yaakov Katz, shalom. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks, Nachum. Great to be here. How significant is it that the Prime Minister makes that announcement regarding Iran, and on the same day you're telling the story about what happened back in uh, in 2007? Uh, I wish I could tell you it was one big plan that me and the Prime Minister <laughs> planned together, but as you know, it doesn't work that way. Uh, I mean, look, the, the reason this is all happening is because, as you know, these are stories and these are threats and these are challenges that just do not go away. They keep on coming back, right? In 1981, Israel bombed Iraq's reactor that Saddam Hussein was building. In 2007, Assad's reactor in Syria. That's the story that I tell in my new book, How That Happened. And one day on the horizon, the Iranians are still trying to get their hands on nuclear weapons, and that might happen also. And Israel might need to make that decision one day down the road again. So these are just these are threats, these are cycles, these are challenges that will keep on coming at Israel as long as these enemies fail to recognize one simple fact, and that is that the Jewish state is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. We're not disappearing, and they need to recognize that. You know what I love about your book? Um, for those of us who tend to be armchair quarterbacks or maybe more accurately armchair generals, we sometimes don't consider the thought and the considerations and the, uh, and, and the um, factors that go into making a major decision like bombing a nuclear facility. And your book really tells the story how both in Israel and the United States some really well-informed serious people, and again, a lot of people don't always look at people like, you know, former Prime Minister Olmert and former President Bush as serious people, but you see how they are taking a lot of things into consideration and making very difficult decisions. I agree 100%. I think what you have is a perfect example in this book of how the government is meant to make decisions, how tough decisions are made and how they're meant to consider all of their different options, the governmental process that goes into it. That's the beauty of this book, really, is to some extent, is how it worked on the Israeli side, how it worked on the American side. And, and all of that together, what came at the end, with the decision made by Israel, and the decision then, it's not to attack, but Israel's decision to attack. So can we conclude, or do you conclude, that Israel, Olmert, acted without U.S. permission? Would, would, would you put it that way? No, there was no U.S. permission. There was no green light, but there was also no red light. And that, that's what made the story interesting, right? All, 
Bush came back to Olmert, uh, Israel came to the United States in March, in April of 2007, brought them the intelligence they had discovered in a Mossad operation carried out in Vienna, Austria. They brought the intelligence to the United States and said, and Olmert basically said to Bush, you, you got to take action. You got to take out this reactor because it's important. America sends a message to the world and particularly not just to Syria, but also to Iran, right? That Iran was the greater threat looming on the horizon. The Americans ultimately in July decided not to attack. And what happened was Israel said, okay, if you're not going to do it, we're going to do it. But at no point did Bush say to Omar, well, you can't do it, right? We're not going to let you do it. It didn't work that way. And I think that had to do with the special relationship between those two leaders, but also with the fact that Israel was credited with discovering it. If it hadn't been for Israel, no one would have known that this reactor was being built. And you can only imagine what the world would have looked like had we not discovered this reactor. ISIS took over that region in Syria just a few years later. Now imagine that reactor had been built, not destroyed. You'd have ISIS with nuclear capabilities inside Syria back in 2011, 2012. Unbelievable. How frightening a thought. Yaakov Katz is with us. The brand new book is entitled Shadow Strike, Inside Israel's Secret Mission to Eliminate Syrian Nuclear Power. I am highly, highly recommending it on this Yom Um We know, those of us who you know were, were old enough to, to live through it and appreciate the news of the day, we know what the world reaction was in 1981 when... Um, uh, Prime Minister Begin uh, took the action against Iraq's nuclear reactor. Remind us of the reaction after what Israel did in 2007. I'll tell you one quick story, right? The the Israel attacks, and America had said we prefer a diplomatic option. Omer told Bush, you know, uh, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to have to do it. And America gave Israel the space to do it. After the attack, a few hours later, I tell this story in Shadow Strike in the book. Omer calls up Bush. Bush is in Australia tracks him down, and he gets him on the phone. He says, you know, basically, uh, remember that thing that was bothering us up in the north? Because he still wanted to be careful not to say anything that anyone would hear. So Bush says, yes. Omer says to him, well, I want you to know it doesn't exist anymore. So Bush says back to him, you know, oh, that's very interesting. He asks him, do you anticipate a response? Omer says to him, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a response for now. Bush says, okay, that's also interesting. And then he pauses, and then he says to Omer, the President of the United States says to the Israeli Prime Minister, I want you to know that if there will be a response, all of America stands behind you. Now, to me, that one little conversation is just an example of how this relationship really works between our two countries, right? We, we often hear about the unbreakable, unshakable, impenetrable bond that we have between Israel and the U.S., but this is just one conversation taking place between a President and a Prime Minister. We don't hear about it. We can imagine what goes on on those phone conversations between Trump and Netanyahu, between Robin and Clinton, between other prime ministers over the years and presidents, that, that, that's pretty amazing, right? You know, that's not an off-the-cuff statement that some president just says. So, you know, you talked about the reaction. There wasn't a suspension of F-15s like in 1981 or condemnations at the U.N. Security Council. That was the reaction Israel got from the United States. Hmm, unbelievable. Um, is this something that you think Assad has deep in his memory? And, and and thinks often about I don't know either some type of retaliation or you know in in some way making sure Israel pays the price for what they did. Look, I think for years one of the reasons Israel was quiet and you know for over a decade Israel officially did not say a word about what had happened because they feared that if they ever said anything they would embarrass Assad 
they would give him an excuse to retaliate. I don't think that's no that's longer relevant, especially considering what's happened in Syria with the civil war. But um, I'm definite that Assad, I feel that Assad definitely remembers this. He has a memory. He recalls what happened. And more, less a, a military operation, because that wasn't something so incredible that they were able to cross the border and, and, and bomb this thing. But it was the, the way they got the, the, the intelligence to penetrate his inner circle. No one knew about this within his inner circle, a select few people, and Israel was able to discover it. Now, remember, they discovered it just months before it was supposed to go active, not when it started construction, not when he started thinking about it, just months before it was supposed to be activated. And, and I think that he remembers. He remembers how he needs to be careful because the Israelis are watching. Right and and Israeli Israel's intelligence is is impressive and and thankfully they're able to discover this thing. <laughs> the book is called Shadow Strike: Inside Israel's Secret Mission to Eliminate Syrian Nuclear Power, written by Yaakov Katz, editor in chief of the Jerusalem Post. The book is available today, and we are of course highly recommending it. Um, the the intelligence cooperation uh, was this a significant step toward where we are today? Uh, I don't know what type of access Mayor Dagan and people like him had in Washington, I don't know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, etc. Uh, was this a watershed moment in terms of cooperation between the two countries? Yeah, it's a great question, Ahum, and I think you're, you, the way you described it is 100% accurate. It was a watershed moment, because until then, the relations between the CIA and the Mossad, between the, the two different intelligence communities, had slightly deteriorated, and it had to do, to some extent, with there wasn't that much respect at the time uh, in, in the early 2000s with Israel's intelligence capabilities here in the United States. And when Israel came with this intelligence, that changed everything. And what you saw in the years since, in the immediate aftermath, were, were a series of operations against Hezbollah, against Syria, against Iran, all together, right? Uh, Stuxnet is an example, that cyber weapon that was done together between Israel and the United States, was, was a result of this watershed moment, as you described it, of where the countries came together, they worked together, and they, and they built an alliance and, and a new relationship, more intimate than in the past, with more respect and mutual admiration that allowed for these joint operations moving forward. Really amazing. Um, if I was writing this book after having read what you wrote, um, I would say to myself, uh, as I'm writing it, and, I, and I would, <laughs> I'd be sitting there considering this the entire time, what would have happened if fill in the blank Reagan, Carter, Obama, uh, Clinton, um, even today Trump was president? Did you sit through this process wondering how different history might be, or how much more difficult things might have been for Israel if someone other than George Bush was sitting in the White House? That's one definite question, but there's also a lot more what-ifs. There's what if Israel had not discovered it? What if Israel had not active? What if it had not been bombed? What if ISIS had been allowed to take over a reactor? And and, and what if, uh, for example, look at North Korea. North Korea was building this reactor for Syria. What if North Korea had been made to pay a price back in 2007? Would they be testing ballistic missiles just like they did this past week? Would they still be, be defying the world like they continue to do? So there's a ton of what ifs, and, and that's why, you know, obviously we're not, you can't go back in time. But what we can do from this book, and this is what I think, is learn the lessons, is, is use it as a blueprint for the way not only decisions are meant to be made, but the way threats are meant to be dealt with. 
And, and that's the big lesson, not just for Israel, not just for the United States, but I think for the entire world, because these challenges are not going away, right? Iran is still there. North Korea is still there. And it makes all the more the reason why we cannot allow the Iranians to get nuclear weapons. Right. You make the point that I think that it, I think it was part of the excerpt in the New York Post also when I first saw it earlier in the week. Um, uh, that Israel and uh, and Iraq were not neighbors, were not you know border neighbors uh, in in 1981, as opposed to Israel and Syria, which obviously, if one looks at the map, are border neighbors. Uh, based on your research and having completed Shadow Strike, would you say that there's no way Israel at this point would ever hesitate to go whatever distance, and I mean in kilometers, to take out? Uh, to take out a facility they feel needs to be taken out in Iran? I can't say that with 100% confidence, because every case is different, more complicated. The Iranians have learned the the, the lessons of Syria and, and Iraq. It, but in both of those cases, in 81 and 07, they were single facilities above ground. Now the Iranians have scattered their facilities some of them deep underground. I don't. I still think that Israel has the capability, not necessarily to destroy everything, but to set them back. But that will come at a great price and cost, and, and, and that's why we need the world involved. And I think what you see over the last few years is definitely not just the ratcheting up of sanctions, not just this, this attempt to get to a deal, and even if it was a bad deal, but the, the effort on its own was, was the intention was a good intention, right? And now the U.S. is trying to get the Iranians to renegotiate a better deal. It doesn't seem like that's working for the time being. But I think that, you know, it's possible this, this doctrine known as the Begin Doctrine from Menachem Begin, who, who ordered the strike in 1981, still exists. That's what Olmert basically showed, is that what happened in 81 is still relevant in 2007. And I think one day we might need to make that decision again when it comes to the Iranians, right? But you also have to ask yourself, and this is in the book I asked this question, until when, right? At what point does Israel say, you know, we can't live by the sword? And I don't think that we're at that stage yet. Sadly, right? Because people ask that question. I mean, what you're going to keep on attacking? You're going to keep on bombing? You're going to keep on fighting? And the answer, sadly, is for better, for worse. Yes, because as long as these neighbors, these enemies, do not recognize the simple fact that we're here to stay, this will have to continue, and we will have to be stronger than them, have to be a step ahead of them, and have to constantly be preparing for what might come. I know. I got to let you go. Yaakov Katz is with us. Uh, the book is called Shadow Strike. And I do look forward. I hope you'll be able to visit us for a full-length conversation one day. But before I let you go, before I let you go, if this wasn't JM in the AM, and you know, you know, essentially who the audience is you're speaking to right now, but if you were asked by MSNBC or by CNN to give a comment uh, that we as Americans should know about regarding Israel's Memorial Day, what would you say? First of all, I usually try to talk the same no matter where I'm speaking, but I do know your audience, and they're all amazing people. <laughs> you do a great job, Nahum, so I appreciate it. But what would I say is I would say is that Israel has, for 71 years, been trying to do the best it can at creating a state that's democratic, that's Jewish, that's independent, to defend itself by itself. And what, what we essentially, we see now the 23,000-plus Israeli soldiers, terrorist victims who have paid with their lives for us to be able to live in the modern Jewish state. That's an amazing country, and it should be applauded. The world should be looking at this and say, what an amazing miracle that the Israelis and the Jews have been able to establish. That's what's really needed. I wish you congratulations, Mazal Tov, on the book. And uh, what, I, what I like most about it, frankly, is that the way you tell the story, it's really appropriate for all ages. 
And I think that's an amazing accomplishment when it comes to the field of diplomacy and, and politics. So, call like a vote to you and, uh, and, you know. and good luck with it. Thank you. Shadow Strike, written by Yaakov Katz, inside Israel's secret mission to eliminate Syrian nuclear power. We are highly recommending it, and the good news is it is available now, everywhere, and certainly online. Wednesday morning, today is Yom Zikaron. Today we remember the thousands, the tens of thousands who have given their lives in defense of the state of Israel and Al-Kidush Hashem on this Yom Hazikaron morning at JM in the AM.